Welcome to the 4th Down Experience, the podcast devoted to special teams. Your host of the 4th Down Experience, former pro free agent, nine-year professional kicking coach out of the Midwest, Coach Chris Hughesby. Alongside Coach Chris Hughesby is a former two-time Arena Bowl champion, nine-year pro kicking coach, rep in the South, Coach Brian Jackson. And we're live here on the 4th Down Experience Podcast, episode 14. Mr. Christopher Hughesby, how you doing, sir? What's up, Brian? I'm doing great. <laughs> Beautiful, 19-degree weather out right now. I'm just checking out the window, and it is nice and sunny. So a little bit of a it's a nice day for our standards up here in Minnesota. Yeah, if you, you? if you add 81 degrees to your 19 from down here in Alabama, we get 100. So uh, it's pretty warm down this way. Um, but cool, man. Hey, Looking at uh, our listens here on SoundCloud and iTunes, uh, Chris, we're getting close to that 2,000 mark, man. That's awesome. Yeah, I think I just saw two, just a hair over 1,900. Mm-hmm. Um, what's cool about it is is we're kind of averaging about 120 listens per week, which is great. So thank you all for your continued support. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. And hopefully you guys are uh, liking the content we're putting out. We work very hard to try to find some great people to listen to and interview and obviously subject matters and, and topics to talk about and uh you know you guys ever have some ideas and suggestions just let, keep letting us know and we'll uh we'll work on adding that into the mix yeah it's been a fantastic podcast uh, the experience has been great um out of 14 interviews counting today i think we're at eight nfl specialists so far uh, maybe nine uh which is amazing and we really appreciate every guy that has come on here to, to talk with us and and Maybe maybe we'll switch it up here soon, and, and maybe even trying to find maybe Chris, the first female kicker to ever kick in the NCAA. That'd be kind of a cool podcast too. Yes, great idea. Yeah, so let's we'll tuck that one in. But today we have um, a great interviewee going to be calling in here any minute. But before we get into that, um, some great news. Uh, well, not really great news, but um, a great kicker was in the news. Uh, talk about that, Chris. Yeah, so I'm sure most of you guys, or at least the specialists that listen, saw the news. Uh, Sebastian Janikowski, um, it was announced that he was going to be cut or waived from the uh, Oakland Raiders. So, unfortunately for him, his, his run with the Raiders comes to an end. Um, but he had a great run. I mean, he's he's one of the goats when you talk about him. You know, if there was a top five current or, or within our lifetime, he's one of the top best kickers out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's It'll be interesting to see what, what team he lands on as well, because I don't think he has plans to retire yet. Yeah, I, I think I think he'll still be wanted and needed out there. I think there's um, a few teams that still want a veteran guy that they can they can feel good about and confident about, and and he's uh, consistently shown um, strong leg strength over the years, and he's been fairly accurate too. Yeah. So Brian, do you think he would be a guy that starting March I think is when free agency really hits would, would he be picked up right away or do you think he'll be picked up in preseason once teams figure out if their kickers are in a slump or not i think they would be smart to go ahead and pick him up now because they can always bring in a younger guy later on after the draft or even in the draft to compete with him so i think um if there's two or three teams that are struggling at the kicker position they'll go ahead and take him because they know they can have someone kind of kind of similar to Vanitari where 
they've been around it. They've played in big games and made big kicks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So, I'm sure that decision wasn't easy, but you know, everybody's longevity in the in the league or a team it, it comes to an end at some point. And it's all business. So, but uh, we've enjoyed watching Janikowski kick for the Raiders for was it 16 years? I think so. Something like that. Yeah, something like that, and, um, and and see where he goes next. So yeah, well, his um, uh, Georgia has been kicking really good, and fortunately for Chris and I, we've been able to meet him a couple times and see him kick in person, and you know we've talked to him a few times, and he's just such a good guy, and and we're so happy for Georgia and and, and him doing so well at, at Oakland as well. Yeah, exactly, and you know both guys, we're gonna try to get him on the uh, podcast here in the future, so. Uh, let you guys get a chance to hear hear them and hear their story too. So, well, before we get into the interviewee, I think he'll be calling here in about a minute. Um, guys, we're going to be in Orlando this coming weekend for a kicking camp. If there's any high school guys, uh, JUCO guys that want to come attend, you still can sign up at nationalkickingrankings.com. It's a Saturday from eight to four. I'm uh, going to be getting really good instruction and charting and competitions. Uh, so. Uh, just go to nationalkickingrankings.com, um, and then here soon we'll be in Atlanta, um, Mississippi, Alabama, and Minnesota, as well as Tampa, over the next couple months as well. Yep. Yeah, like like Brian said, you can go online and register, or just message one of us on our social media handles, uh, teams that can kick in or special teams FB, and we'd be happy to answer questions. You know, looking forward to this camp. One, to be in good weather. So selfishly, I'm excited for that. But two. You're going to get four fantastic coaches. You know, Brian's phenomenal. Um, Tom Feely, who we interviewed, episode two, is a fantastic coach. Uh, Mark Lewis, it's his backyard. He trains kids locally in Orlando. He was our very first interview. Uh, the GOAT, the Adam Vinatieri of arena football. Mm-hmm. And then I'll be down there as well. So we're excited. Uh, four great uh, coaches for you to learn. So cool. let us know if you'd like to join us. <laughs> Matt Overton, what's going on, man? Not much, man. How you doing? Doing good. Uh, welcome to the Fourth Down Experience. We really appreciate you taking the time to, to talk to us and, and spreading your knowledge uh, to the audience. You bet, man. How you Absolutely. Doing, man? I'm uh, excited. Hey, this is Chris on my end here. How are you doing? Good, man. Let's have some fun. Cool. So we, um, we have Matt Overton with us. Uh, been in the NFL several years. Long snapper, um, which... Uh, we generated a lot of uh, questions and interest in one of our previous podcasts with a long snapper that we had earlier. Um, but now we have we have a veteran long snapper. Uh, this is a guy that that um, I, I've, I've been following for a long time, even when he was in the UFL. Um, so we just have several qu- questions we want to ask Matt and, and provide uh, valuable information for you guys. Um, Chris, go ahead and, and start us off. Yeah. Well, first of all, Matt, uh, my pleasure to, and, and I'm excited to have you on. Uh, like Brian said, you know, I think we're all about the same age, so you know I've got the chance to follow you, and you know I think we crossed paths at a at a free agent camp way back in the day. So I've enjoyed following you through social media and the things that you do, and I think you're a, just a, just an awesome guy for for what you do with the community and and teams and the communities you're you're part of. So uh, really appreciate you being on. First of all, no, you bet, absolutely. Thanks for having me. So. Uh, Let's let's just talk current situation. So, um, you're you're with the Jaguars still, correct? You're on injured yeah. reserve. Is that is that still what's going on? 
Yeah, I'm just uh, back in Indianapolis rehabbing right now, and uh, yeah, man, just trying to trying to grind it out and get back uh, even stronger. So it's uh, it's been a tough little experience. It's my first time going through the the surgical process and being on IR, um, but uh, everything's going good, man. Excited to uh, just get back in the swing of training and and uh, get back into. Uh, you know, into snapping the spring, and, and uh, yeah, man, hope, hopefully I'm back in Jacksonville. Well, good, good. So you obviously had a, you had a long career with the Colts, and, and we want to touch on that soon here, but uh, what was it like being on a new team? What's what's it like personally transitioning from a, an area you, you, you kind of developed your life around and then to uproot to something new? And so what was it like? going through that process and then what was it like just being on the Jags organization they had a phenomenal year this year yeah you know it was tough you know because I got uh, I got released from the Colts unexpectedly I really didn't uh, have any inclination that that was going to happen um, you know it was coming off a really good year and you know having the continuity with McAfee and Benetary you know just been a really solid trio for, for quite some time you know and um, you know we got a new GM you know, McAfee retired, and uh, they just decided to go a different route. And, you know, it was one of those things where at the time didn't make sense. But, you know, this business is tough, and, you know, unfortunately everybody has to experience that at some point. I just didn't expect it to happen that quickly, you know. Um, and I think that the thing that hurt the most and upset me the most was the fact that I wasn't even able or allowed to uh, compete for my job. You know, it was just really – um, it was kind of an odd situation where they cut they cut me and another long snapper that they had just signed on the team and didn't have a long snapper on the roster for, for a little while. And then they actually ended up trading the guy they cut me for um, after the preseason. And it was just a, it was a, a weird thing that transpired, um, you know, but looking back, you know, I can, you know, things happen for a reason and I was lucky to uh, – find a home in Jacksonville and the transition was was tough you know because you know it's a new team new atmosphere new teammates new coaches new routine you got to get into um learn learn your way around the city the facilities all kind of stuff but um you know fortunately you know it was in the same division still in the AFC South so really familiar with Jacksonville I had some guys uh in Jacksonville that I played with before familiar with a lot of guys that I've trained with in the offseason like Clayus Campbell and and guys like that and so it was just it, it felt really comfortable going in there and um you know, I literally, as soon as I, my first practice was a scrimmage, so I got thrown in the fire really quick, and, and um, so I had, to, I had to learn my way around and learn <laughs> the schemes and terminology quick. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of the same stuff. And you know, Coach Joe DeCamillis is my coach, and he's a great veteran coach, been in the league for a long time, and I played against him. So I was happy to be coached by a great guy like him. And, and uh, you know, Brad Norman, a punter, and at the time Jason Myers, and, and then on to uh, Josh Lambeau two great kickers I got to work with. Um, and then, yeah, having a great year. It was it was awesome. It was actually one of my, um, you know, most uh, favorite seasons that I've I've been a part of. Um, and uh, definitely an exciting time to be a, be a Jaguar, be a part of the the, the foundation of, of hopefully uh, having a winning tradition over there. So uh, it was a fun year, wild, how things work out, you know, being released from the Colts. And it was hard because, you know, Indy is home for me permanently. I've, I've really 
established some strong roots here, and I love it, and love the city, love the people, love the fans, and that was hard to uh, say goodbye, but um, it was actually pretty nice staying with the division and being able to play against them twice a year. Right. Exactly. Awesome. Uh, Pat, one of the things, um, sorry, Matt, one of the things that I really liked uh, that you've done over the years, and this may sound kind of goofy or silly, is I think you do it on your Insta story or Snapchat or both, but you kind of take a picture of your cleats and like the stadium before the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always liked that, FYI. Um, but that was just kind of a sidebar. But uh, one thing we've, we've noticed is your work in the community with Indianapolis. Like uh, you work with the police de- department. Um, did any of that carry over to Jacksonville? Uh, or do you plan to do something like that in Jacksonville too? Yeah, I mean um... – it was it was actually really it was really a smooth transition in that in that aspect. Um, great community in Jacksonville. Um, I got to do a lot of stuff, um, you know, with uh, you know the the big topic early in the season was you know the whole kneeling to the national anthem. Um, you know that was national you know news headlines every single week for like the first I don't know five six seven weeks or so. Um, and so, you know, it was it was part of my, I felt it was part of my duty, you know, as um, a huge supporter of law enforcement and military to, you know, really kind of try to bridge the gap between, you know, uh, the, the law enforcement first responders, military and our team. Um, you know, Jacksonville is is a is a huge military town. It's like the largest um, military city in our country. Um, and so, I mean, there's like a quarter of a million military personnel in Jacksonville. And so, um, you know, the whole kneeling thing, it really didn't set well, um, with those people. And I mean, we had a lot of season ticket holders, you know, give up their tickets and whatnot. And, um, that was a time for, for us as a team, because, you know, it's, it really was a misunderstanding on, um, you know, why some of my teammates decided to kneel so we all got together we got together with military personnel uh law enforcement firefighters military all first responders and we just we just had discussions and you know i I, you know i wanted to um i took some cops and and uh military guys out to dinner when i just to have a casual conversation about what's going on and, and hopefully to gain some understanding um so i got to do that this year which is very unique it was it was fun a lot of positives came out of it and hopefully we can continue to build those relationships um, every single year. And um, and outside of that, you know, I do a lot with cancer re- research and the pediatric cancer uh, funds. And uh, it was really cool because um, Tom Coughlin, um, who is uh, serves sort of like our president, GM, um, he uh, he has the the, uh, the J fund, which you know does a lot of. Um, you know, research or raises money for pediatric research. So I got to work with his foundation a little bit and go visit the kids. And that's what I did a lot here in Indy with Riley hospital. Um, so yeah, it was really, a really easy transition to do that. And the Jaguars do a great job of connecting uh, the players into uh, the community. And so it was a lot of fun. And, and if I am able to go back there, I'll definitely keep doing that. Fantastic. Nice. I often wondered, you know, I think it's great. The players and the, yeah, you know, everybody gets involved with the community and, and kind of inspire hope to kids and, and to anybody. How do, how do you balance or what's, what's a schedule like in season? How do you balance going to go do work in the community and, and, and balance that with the practice schedule? What's that like? No, well, every Tuesday we have off, you know, and so 
that's usually the community days in the NFL across the league. And so I, I'm always trying to attend most of those throughout the year. And, and there's some really cool ones that I always have to go to just because they're so fun. And um, it means a lot to me, like, you know, visiting the kids at the hospital um, and doing some cool military appreciation stuff during the month of um, November. And in October this year, it was really cool because traditionally it's been like, uh, you know, supporting breast cancer awareness and, and rightfully so, you know, the Susan G. Coleman stuff and, you know, players wearing pink and all that kind of stuff. But this year, the NFL really just kind of opened the floodgates for us and we were able to support any type of cancer research. Um, and so we did a lot of cool things in the month of October, but typically, you know, throughout the week, you know, uh, Tuesdays are our day, a full day off and guys can you know choose to do what they want and most guys you know like to get their lifts in or just relax and not do much of anything or spend time with family and, um you know I, I find that time to uh do the community involvement stuff and, and that's usually uh what i do throughout the year great and so matt uh some of the questions we're going to ask here are just going to be kind of random so we may be going back and forth but a question i okay. want to ask you just being more of a kicking coach um, and just having my three or four points when I when I talk with long snappers, um, I, I love guys that are subject matter experts in their field. And for you, obviously, that would be long snapping. And I'm sure you could probably talk about punting and kicking too. But um, a rep count with kicking and punting, you know, we harp on that with these guys at the high school level and even college level. Uh, what's what's your rep count routine? What would you tell a junior snapper in high school what their rep count needs to be? And maybe talk about that. Man, honestly, uh, I've never really kept a, a snap count. Um, you know, as I've gotten, you know, a little bit older in my career, and, and um, you know, I get I get sore faster, my recovery time's a little bit slower than it has been. Um, and that just comes with wear and tear, and, and you know, age. You know, and so I've I've actually learned a lot from Ben Terry. You know, he's forty five years old, still kicking at a high level, and I, I've watched him over the past five years, like. Just see how he takes care of take care takes care of his body, and he's always prehabbing, rehabbing, stretching, doing all that kind of stuff. And on his kicking days, heavy kicking days, which typically in the NFL are Wednesdays, um, and either Thursday or Friday, depending on what that kicker usually wants to wants to do. Some guys like to kick every day and have Saturday off leading up to the game, or some guys have the routine that they just stick to, and we always do that. Um, in Indianapolis, it was uh, I was snapping every day. I was snapping Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, um, and Vinatieri was kicking on Wednesday and Friday, and McAfee was kicking on Thursday because McAfee was a backup kicker. So we always got those field goal reps um, either on the side between the three of us or with the team. Um, in Jacksonville, um, you know, Norman doesn't doesn't kick, but we uh, so you know Lambo would kick you know Wednesdays, um, and he would do kickoffs Thursdays, and then. Uh, he he do more field goals like a light field goal day on um, on Friday and and so kind of my routine kind of just just really has, has evolved around those guys and I kind of just I, I pick up on the routines and I kind of just want to be you know uh, fluid with them. Um, I don't I don't keep a specific you know snap count on what I want to do or how much I just go off feeling. If I'm feeling good, I'll just snap and snap until I really feel like I had a good day of practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, some days you're just not going to feel right. You're not going to feel crisp. You're not going to feel clean. And uh, you just have those days where you just like you just feel like you don't got it. Um, and that's just that's that's what I try to tell young kids. You know, it's going to happen. You know, your practice is not going to always be great. 
you're going to have your down days. Um, but I, what I like to do, I always like to definitely end the week of practice on a good note. I don't like going into a game, uh, you know, pissed off or, or just not feeling confident. So whether that's just me going on the sideline and doing drills just by myself or working with the punter, you know, working on um, uh, perfect laces with the holder and kicker, um, just until we feel all three of us just feel ready to rock and roll come Sunday. Right. Um, and so I think that's the most important thing is, is I do my own thing on the side. I have my, I have, I definitely have my pregame stretch and, and routine, pre-practice stretch and routine. I do my own thing. I do my own drills. Um, that just gets me ready for the practice and gets ready for the the, the live team reps and, and the game. And so those are things that I always consistently stick to. Um, and even during the game. Um, I mean, if you, it's, it's, it's kind of weird because, you know, being on IR, I got to watch how Colin Holba did his routine, you know, um, and, you know, he's a lot different than I am. During the game, I am snapping like nonstop. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm always snapping to Norman. I'm always snapping to McAfee. I'm always, we're always just staying warm and fresh. And throughout the game, it's like, you know, in the game, we may only get 10 reps, you know, in the game. Um, but after the game, I feel exhausted, man, just because you know, the whole game, I'm just, we're just literally, we're nonstop moving around, just yeah. staying ready, staying ready. And I, I, I got that from McAfee. I got that from Vinatieri because we were on the side always in terms of the game. You know, we're just moving around. We're like, we're just doing it, you know, and, and we're keeping each other hyped. We're keeping each other focused. And, um, you know, it's just, that was, that was a, a cool thing to, you know, develop with those guys over five years. And then, you know, learning that when I came to Jacksonville with Norton and, and Lambo and Myers, like how they like to do that kind of stuff. So it, it differs from, you know, guys you work with. But, you know, I, I like to keep keep with my uh, things that I've been doing for a long time. Right. And so, okay, let's talk about uh, Jay, Jason Myers and uh, and Lambo. Uh, Chris and I have uh, been fortunate enough to, to meet Jay My. He's one of the guys with one of the best forms that we feel like that's out there to emulate, just, just keeping nice and tall and, and fluid. But so as a long snapper, you're used to Vinatieri, um, and, and then you go down to Jayville, and now you've now you're got Jason Myers, and then you have Lambeau. What, talk about um, kind of the, the process with, with the snapper, holder, kicker, you know, the jab, the op time, and all that. Was there a difference, and what did you have to do uh, when when the change got made with the second kicker coming in? Now, honestly, it was pretty easy, man. Um Lambo came in on a Wednesday, and I mean, like I said, when I came to Jacksonville, it was, I mean, I was, my first practice was a live scrimmage, and so my reps, that was the first time ever snapping to Norman, my first time ever snapping to Myers, and I mean, we had to learn fast, you know, and um, it was nice because, you know, Myers has been a kicker for three years, Norman's been in the league for six, you know, I've been in the league for six, so it was like, we had some veteran guys, you know, it wasn't like we're starting from scratch, you know, we, right. it, it took a while to kind of fill each other out, you know, uh, Carson Tinker is a snapper uh, there as well, and, you know, you know, my snap may be a little bit quicker, his may be a little bit faster in some some parts too, and, you know, or I'm consistently hitting laces in a certain direction and, and, and whatever, and so I think for um, for the three of us, you know, we got we had to get on the, page, the same page quick, uh, and that was pretty easy, you know, um, and then when Lambo came in, I mean, he, he was just like, man, just just give me a good snap, give me good laces, and I'm ready to rock and roll. Obviously, you know, 
he goes more with the lean and, and how he likes that with the holder. And that's nothing that I'm worried about. I'm just trying to deliver the holder with a nice, clean, crisp and snap and, and give him those perfect laces every time. Um, so I know there's there's guys that are really nitpicky about the spot, really nitpicky about the laces, the lean, all that kind of stuff. And um, it was nice working with you know Myers and Lambo because they, they really weren't picky at all. It's just like, man, just put the ball down. Yeah. Give me a good spot and let's just let's make it, you know. And and Vinatieri the same way, you know. He was, um, and it, it really does help having a great holder, you know, because not every every snap's going to be perfect, you know. The the holder can really just uh, Macfeet was was extremely good at what he did and um, practiced it a lot, you know. And and so um, it was just like clockwork when we got out there and we got on the same page and. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool to see how, how fast that holder has to get that ball down and, and just that perfect lean in, in the, you know, in a couple tenths of a second, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's great, man. You've given us so much so far. This has been this has been awesome, and we've had we've had so many listeners ask us to to get you on the podcast. So for me, it's fun, and, and they're going to enjoy this as, as well. Um, a few questions here. You know, you like you said, you didn't really have a set snap count, but you had a few routines drills that you did what what are like two or three good drills that that like younger maybe high school kids or even guys and staffers in college could to kind of kind of take from you and and, and say okay well if, if it's working for him let me let me give this a shot what are some of your kind of go-to drills if you're willing to share those yeah man it's pretty it's pretty drawn out really you know like i said some guys just kind of um you know just ease their way into like a pre-game you know pre-game routine um you know, I it, it was cool because you know McAfee and Vinatieri, and I always I always go back to the, those guys because I learned so much from those guys. Um, and uh, you know, I, I I grew as a snapper, and I, I built my routine based around them. Um, and we played at, at such a high level for a long time that you know, like I just we always just push each other to get better. So even the routine was was vitally important to our success, and so. You know, I go out there in pregame. I go like pre pregame. Like I go out there, you know, with just uh, you know my my shirt and shorts on, got some music going or whatever, and I jog around the field. I do my dynamic warm up, my stretching a little bit, and I always snap before every game with no pads on. Uh, I throw. I like to throw. I either grab a ball boy or a coach, and I just warm up, just playing catch. And then I always um, I do overhead overhand um, throws with my right and left hand. Mm-hmm. Um, then I do underhand tosses and I do like the, you know, the traditional, you know, stand up kind of mimic a snap to get, to get the spiral. Mm-hmm. Um, I do those as well. And then, um, then I come out, uh, with pads on for the pregame and that's when I start snapping. And I always start like, you know, 10 yards, 12 yards and go to the full 14, 14 and a half, 15 yards for the punt. Um, and, and either that's with a coach or a ball boy or with Brad or the punter, whoever the punter is, you know, while they're warming up, and I do other, I do like footwork drills just to kind of get the you know feet moving and, and the blood flowing. Um, and then during the game, I'm always like I said, we're always snapping when it's when the offense has the ball. You know, me and the punter are always working. When the ball crosses the fifty, that's when we start working on short snaps. Um, and so that routine has kind of always gone with me wherever I've been in the league, and it's really it's really seemed to help me, and, and it, it works for me. Great. Hey, Matt, this has been a question that I've had. Um, been wanting to ask a long snapper and or a punter at the NFL level. Um, at college, uh, a lot of the college coaches that we that we coordinate with and talk with, 
they'll usually say this to the punter and the snapper. And what my question is, is, is what are your coaches saying to you? Or maybe just in generics at the NFL level. But so like in college, as you probably know, like, hey, let's get the ball off in two seconds. You know, um, so we've heard college coaches say to the snapper and the punter collectively, I don't care if you're throwing a point eight zero and you're you're doing a 1.2 on your handle punter, but whatever you guys do, get the ball off in two seconds between the two of you. We've had some college coaches say, I need you at a one at a point seven five, I need you at a one point two five handle. Like what what are they saying at the NFL level? Uh, what are the times need to be at? Yeah, I mean it's I yeah, I mean it's I've I've had coaches telling me that, you know, you have to have a point point eight oh snap. Some guys are like you need to be low sevens. Um, but overall definitely the op time needs to be as low as possible. Um, you know, it, it just it, it really differs from the from really the punter and the, more so the punter really because some guys like we'll, we'll take McAfee for instance, right? Mm-hmm. McAfee, McAfee is a two step punter, and you know he take he takes that long stride to really gain his momentum and power, and so our off times were typically around like you know two point one, you know two point one five. Now that, that's a little slow. Um, we want that to be wanted to be faster, and we were also a directional offset team. Mm-hmm. So if you if you break down Colts punk film from the past four or five years, McAfee's not behind the center; he's more so behind the guard, and uh, so he's offset to the left if we're gonna punt right, and then he's offset to the right if we're gonna punt left. Um, so that was something that I had to develop. I, I it was hard for me to because I have to block somebody. You know, a lot of these college kids don't have to block nobody. They just, you know, free up and run on the field. And, um, you know, so for me to snap at an angle um, and then have to get back in my set in the block was, was difficult at first. It was something really tough. But really the, the, the grand scheme of it was to give McAfee more room in the pocket to punt. Um, and so uh, the edge was the edge of the punt protection was a lot bigger than it would be if he was – you know, directly behind the center, snap or kick into the right. Um, so we had that um, incident. And Brad uh, Nortman, who's a taller, lengthier guy, but he has a shorter little jab step at the beginning. So our off times were sometimes are like one nine. Um, so it really just kind of depends on that. Yeah, uh, we never we never wanted to take McAfee or Nortman out of their you know, their normal routine as far as feeling comfortable. You know, I think a lot of punters and snappers would agree, like, they hate to be rushed. You know, like, Mm -hmm. they don't want to feel like they have to speed up to kick the ball or punt the ball. Um, Obviously, and there's there's some situations where that has to happen where, you know, the operation just isn't as crisp as it should be um, and they have to speed things up. But, um, you know, know, McAfee was tremendous at what he did directionally. and, uh, you know, we had to utilize his, his power and his, his uh, you know, his ability to change the game. And so that directional punt was huge. And then in Jacksonville, you know, Norman was directly behind me. He was still directional, but the fact that he didn't have that long stride like Maxby did, we were still able to get away with him being directly behind the center and still, you know, uh, keeping the pocket wide for him. Um, so I really just think it's, um, you know, I hate I, – I really – I really hate to teach young kids to like try to snap as fast as they can. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, and I think it's probably the same with, you know, punters and kickers, you know, it just, you need to be, you need to be fast, but not fast and uncomfortable, you know? Um, and you want to be, you don't want to be erotic. You want to be, you want to be consistent every single time. And so I just think that, you know, whoever you're working with every, you know, it's going to be different with every snapper and punter. Um, and then some guys like, you know, Norman's a taller guy, six, three, he likes the ball right at his chest. Maxie liked it at his knee. You know, those are things that change too. So um, it's just it's one of those things where I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. Obviously, you got to get the ball off fast. You never want to give up a block kick. Um, but uh, those are the, the you know those are the things that you have to work on between the two of you, the snapper and the punter, um, to really make sure that you get that off time down as fast as possible. No doubt. Nice. That's perfect. So just to kind of play off that, Matt, um, question I, we hear quite a bit, and, and this obviously ties into op speed. Um, what were some what, what were some of the drills or lifts that that you did as you're kind of going through your career that that you think helped you develop that extra snap speed? Um, you know, there's like I've seen I've seen a bunch of drills like online, and I, you know, early on I did a lot of stuff too to try to um, because when I came, when I was coming out of college. Um, my snap time was probably average, you know, 0. 0.75, 0. 0.77, somewhere around there. Um, and I was told coming out of college that I was too slow and I need to be faster. And, you know, this is, I'm, I'm coming from a small school. I'm a, I'm not, I'm a little bit undersized. Um, so I was trying to do everything in, in, you know, in my power to get faster at the snap. So I was doing drills like snapping medicine balls and doing all that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't really think it helped. What what I've what I've noticed over time is what has helped get that time down is really just practice and really just gaining that muscle memory. Um, obviously, you got to be strong, you got to be flexible, um, and so I really I don't necessarily work on snapping specific exercises i just i you know because i played linebacker in college too and i snapped so i'm just i'm kind of a like a gym rat like i just lift i do everything i do a normal linebacker type workout where i'm i'm cleaning i'm you know i'm you know i'm squatting and benching incline all that kind of stuff i do i do what everybody else does Mm -hmm. like as, as a combo um now there are some things that i work on as far as like shoulder mobility um, I like to, you know, I'm focusing on doing, you know, now, now it's really big time focusing on shoulder. Now that I'm going through a soldier, uh, surgery recovery, yeah. it's just, it's just keeping that the shoulders mobile, flexible, healthy, strong, all the little muscles that involve, you know, the function of the shoulder. And that's what I'm really focused on now and flexibility and core. It's really, um, you know, I like to stay strong in the lower body. I don't necessarily need to, you know, be tight and strong in the upper body. I like to feel like I'm, I'm still pretty flexible there, but. Um, as a snapper, I think when you develop your own routine and you develop your own, the grip, your stance, your follow through, I think really when you perfect that, I think time will just slowly just creep off, off the clock when you, when you're snapping, when you're timing your snap. Um, so that's what I've, I've learned, you know, I've seen these things, these kind of quirky little things on YouTube where like guys are like in harnesses snapping like these resistance stuff. And (laughs) I, I, I mean, I I don't think it, it, it doesn't hurt. Yeah. But I don't think it's really necessary. Um, I think that practice in itself, like I've really, I, I feel like I've always kind of tweaked something every single year, whether it's my stance, uh, my grip, my uh, my follow through, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And so um, it's just kind of always refining your skills. And I, I think that's 
as a pro, you need to do that because, you know, if you're, if you just stay content with where you're at, you're never going to get better. And that's, again, I go back to Vinatieri. There's a reason why he's played 22 years at a all pro level almost every year is because he's always doing things. He has the, the foundation is always the same, but you know, over time he's, you know, he critiques himself. He, he, tweak some things and and he always tries to get better and i think that if you have that mindset as a snapper or any punter kicker you're 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 just naturally going to get better with that hard work right okay hey matt we only got a couple more questions man we, we really appreciate you taking the time with us yeah we're 30 minutes in just just two more uh my 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 last question is matt what has been your most memorable experience uh whether it was a play or a game so far in in, in a in the NFL, that's tough, dude. Um, I have a few. Um, I remember my first game-winning snap with Vinatieri. Um, it was against. It was 2012 against the Minnesota Vikings. We're at home. Um, I think it was a 54-yarder. So it was Vinatieri's longest game-winning field goal. Um, we. It was a game winner as time expired. Um, and that was my first NFL win. Right. Um, and so that was a memorable moment. Um, and also that same year, but in preseason, <laughs> I got, uh, I got, because I was competing at the time with Justin Snow, who had snapped for the Colts for like 11 years. Long time, uh, Colt, awesome dude, great mentor for me. But um, I got to start in Pittsburgh that year in preseason and we went out for like a like a kind of a mayday field goal at the at the end of the first half um and i think it was a 56 yarder and it was the longest recorded field goal in heinz stadium um so that was pretty cool i mean it was preseason so they didn't really count it but hell we counted that for sure but um um and then two years ago with with vinatieri and, and mcafee um we uh, Vinatieri hit his 43rd consecutive field goal, which was an NFL record. So being a part of that rec- NFL record was was really cool. That was in Tennessee. Um, that was in Tennessee against the Titans, and it was it was it was cool. Not not because not only because it was an NFL record, and we kicked 43 consecutive field goals as a unit, but the year 2014 um, when McAfee and Vinatieri both made first team all pro um vinatieri was he was perfect the entire year up until our last game in tennessee where he missed his only field goal of the year so to go back in that stadium against that team two years later and break that record um that made it even more special um and i'm not gonna lie beating the colts twice this year was pretty special too (laughs) 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 no but um uh no that's you know with the Colts, man, we had a lot of success. So, you know, playoff wins, AFC championship games, um, you know, being, being, you know, being a AFC South champion as a Colt and as a Jaguar is pretty cool. Um, a lot, a lot of cool things, you know, and really a lot of it, um, you know, making tackles, you know, and, you know, I, I, I love making tackles. We don't get very many of them, but making solo tackles is pretty fun. And, but those, those moments with like McAfee and Vinatieri, you know, we, called ourselves the fourth down army back in the day when we were all together mm-hmm. and uh, it was just a lot of fun it was like a culture that we had built in indianapolis and uh um it's, it's just it's really cool to see teams like play at a super high level special teams wise because it's really it's a phase that you know just goes overlooked um quite a bit and 
but uh, it, it's fun when you're out there um, only a few times a game, but you really, you know, change the game. Nice. Yeah, we have one, awesome. more, one more question here. Chris is going to end it. Okay. Yeah, Matt, so, so we do have a lot of young listeners here, um, and, and as you, I don't know if you follow it anymore, you know, college and all that. Signing day is actually tomorrow. Just wanted to ask you what your college recruiting experience was like, and then from a snapper's perspective, you know, what, what do you think helped you the most uh, get noticed by the school? Was it your, your private work you did? Was it going to camps? You know, was it your own grind to, to reach out to these schools? What was, could you just kind of explain what it was like for you got for you as a snapper? No, first, I mean, I'm going to keep, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to throw out some curse words, but I think signing day is like the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> I think it's really cool. I mean, it's special for a lot of kids. But man, I, I think it, it. I think it really just like emotionally and mentally screws with a lot of kids too. Um, and uh, I think the Division One thing has been blown up so much, and rightfully so. It's 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 really cool. It's every every everybody wants to play major Division One football. And I was growing up. I always wanted to play at Notre Dame, University of Washington. You know, a, a big school like that. But you know, when I got into high school and, and you know, um, I mean, I, I played almost every position on the field as, as far as, like, offensive line, fullback, linebacker, D-line, and I snapped. And honestly, I really don't. A coach just made me snap because I played center um, in, in, in high school. Um, and I didn't realize that, uh, you know, snapping could be my ticket to the next level and even as a professional. You know, this is back before, you know, colleges gave scholarships to snappers you know um you know so the kids listening have to realize i was i I grew up in a time i graduated high school in 2003 you know there was no kicking camps there was no scholarships there was no you know it was mainly walk on or you play another position and snap you know Mm -hmm. um and so i remember you know my senior in college or high school um, you know, I had I had a few looks from schools, but they weren't. You know, they were one double A schools at the highest, um, and some you know walk on opportunities. But I decided to go to uh, junior college first. Um, I was still a little undersized, a little underdeveloped. Really sh- didn't know what I wanted to play. So when I got to junior college, it was the perfect fit for me. Um, I got to learn a lot. Um, I played linebacker; that was my thing. So I started linebacker two years. Uh, was named special teams MVP as a long snapper my freshman year at junior college, and that's when I was like, "Wow, well, maybe this can give me a scholarship somewhere." And the coaches were like, "Dude, you you got what it takes. Just keep working on it." So that's when I kept working on it. Two years later, or a year and a half later, you know, I signed with Western Washington, a Division two school. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wanted to go there because they offered me to play defensive end and linebacker and snap too. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a blessing in disguise because you know I, I wanted to go walk on at a BJ. Washington State was a school that had offered me a, a preferred walk-on as a snapper, but I wanted to play defense. I was I, at the time I was uh, I felt like I could contribute elsewhere and and whatnot. But um, when I got to Western Washington, Michael Cannon, who played for the Falcons and the Buccaneers for a long time, he was just coming out of Western and was draft eligible. And, and um, I actually got to snap for his private NFL workouts with the Seahawks. Um, and that's how I got my name on the radar professionally. Um, and so long story short, you know, that's kind of where, you know, my dream of 
making it pro sort of became reality because I got the, the scout at the time was like, man, we're going to come look at you in two years when you're graduated and, you know, keep working on your staff and you're, you, you got what it takes, you know. Um, but to answer your question more specifically with signing day, um, man, there's just, I think what, what kids fail to realize, and even parents, there are so many schools out there that you just don't even know of. You know, of course, everyone knows about the Georgias and the Alabamas, the Floridas, the USC's, whatever it may be. And you know, those are the teams that are on TV every week. But there's so many smaller Division One schools, and there's there's great programs across the country that are Division One, AA, Division Two, even Division Three, um, that just offer top quality, you know, football. And um, so, like, I, I like to tell, I get tweets from kids all the time, or like, I like to tweet out on they like, hey, there are so many guys that don't sign scholarships on this day that, you know, end up making it to the pros and, and or even just just making go, go walk on to university and end up scholarshiping the next year. You know, it's like there's just the guys that, you know, you know there's a lot of talent out there that just goes unnoticed or, or a lot of guys just don't develop, you know. Um, it took me, I, I, I didn't feel like I really developed into a strong, the strong, fast, quick player until I was like 20, 21 years old, you know, so that's like my junior, senior year in college, you know, but, uh, I just don't, I don't want these kids to get discouraged, you know, a lot of these parents just like, I think they, they put a lot of pressure on their kids too, you know, and I think junior college is a great way to go too, it, it saves you money, and it gives you great exposure, and if you keep those grades up, you only got to be there for a year. Um, and you just, you just got to keep working, man. And, and these camps are great. These camps didn't exist when I was coming out of school either. I mean, there was there was a few, but they're not as like big as they are now. I know like the Houston's and the Rubios and the Sailors and the, the, the Masad for Osborne and um, the, the Coles camps and Gary Zahner's camps. All those are great. That Those are great resources. Those are great exposure camps for kids um that we didn't have that i didn't have um so i I definitely encourage kids to go to those whether you're a freshman sophomore junior senior don't matter i would go there as soon as possible to get that exposure get that work see where the other kids at because you know when you go to those camps you get to see where the top talent's at you get to compare yourself you can see what you need to work on and it gives you that exposure you need you know Living here in Indiana, I see these farm kids. They go to these little small Division One high schools that have 200 kids at their school, and they, you know they go overlooked just because they're not playing against the top talent. You know, but mm. there's talent everywhere, and I hope these kids just hey, they stay encouraged and just keep working hard. And there's no right or wrong way to get to where you want to go. Absolutely, Matt, and I think that's just valuable information for the kids. Um, we've asked every NFL guy that's been on this. I think you're our eighth NFL specialist and our second. Long snapper, just to finish out, uh, we, we assume Lucas Oil is on, on the list, but what's your top five NFL stadiums you've played on to finish out? Oh, man. Uh, well, I'm from California. I'm from the Bay Area. So playing in the old Candlestick Stadium, old Dino Stadium, before they uh, built the new one, that was that was my most special stadium because I, I grew up going to the games there. Um, and then I got to play at the Coliseum where the Raiders play. I grew up going to Oakland A's games, Raiders games there. So playing in those two stadiums specifically were huge for me and my family just because, I mean, that's where I was running around in the stands as a young kid and, and you know, yelling for autographs, you know. Yeah. Um, so to play in those stadiums is really cool. But, I mean, there's, there's so many. I mean, I love playing in Nashville. I love playing in um, New York's farm. Um, I, honestly, I love playing in, uh, like, Pittsburgh and New England. Those are, like, tough places to play. 
they're really hostile and and it's always you know you know always a tough place to play and, and to win there i've never won in, in foxborough i've won in i've won in pittsburgh um that's really cool but man i hope to, i hope i get to experience a win in foxborough one day Oh, that's awesome. Well, Matt, we uh, we really appreciate this this time with you, man. Uh, so much great, just great talk about snapping and just, just life in the league and things like that. And I think these kids and listeners and parents and college specialists, I mean, they're all gonna they're all gonna love this. So, want to uh, also wish you well with your recovery. You know, get off that that IR quickly, and hopefully your your career continue with the Jaguars or wherever it leads you, man. And, We'll be following you along the way because, uh, like I said, we're we're all kind of about the same age, so you know it's been fun to follow your progress so far. I appreciate, it, man. And these, if these kids ever reach out to me on Twitter, Instagram, I'll do my best to like because I get a lot of questions from young snappers, so I try my best to answer them or or direct them the right way. So, if, yeah, if they don't don't hesitate to ask any questions, and I'm here to help, man. But I appreciate the support, and uh, yeah, man, just grinding, excited to get back and and work my ass off, and just ready to go, man. Thanks, Matt, man. Best of luck. Talk soon. Thanks, guys. See ya. Yep, thank you. Bye. Wow, that was an awesome interview. I, I really liked all the details he had, Chris. Oh, yeah. I mean, there, were, there was so much stuff that was covered. You know, I hope that, that the listeners, you guys, just pick up some something from that, take it with you, share it with your friends. You know, like we always say, kickers and punters, share this type of podcast with your snappers or your centers or whoever might be your, your snapper because there's so much that those guys can learn from this. It was... It was incredible, and you know, like I said before, I'm not that you get starstruck, you know, but 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 Matt's a great character guy. He does so much with the community, and and, and you know, he's he's three years younger than I am, so it's I've enjoyed just kind of just seeing the type of person he's developed into over the years. It's just it, this was a fun one. Yeah, we're the exact same age, and uh, Matt's again, like you said, high character guy. Uh, you guys should go follow him on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, it's Matt Overton. Um, and he, he's just a great person to follow along. And, and like you said, if you tweet at him, he'll do the best he can to respond to you. So uh, long snappers definitely do that. Uh, thanks, guys, for listening to the 4th Down Experience podcast. Uh, we, we really enjoyed it, and we can't wait uh, to have our, our next pod next Tuesday. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. Peace. Thank you for listening to the 4th Down Experience. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at 4th Down Experience.